Welcome to Random Rewards, the one and only, the beautiful, the most exciting and most fun gamification show. Welcome to Random Rewards, the podcast where we discuss how to make business more fun with gamification. I am Sabrina and with me today is Chris. Hello. Chris, how does this work? How it works is we open by discussing a game, deconstruct how that game motivates users, and then we brainstorm on the fly how to solve a random business problem. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite games, very close to my heart, Super Mario World. Whoa, definitely one of my favorites too. Blast from the past, because we're all being so very nostalgic no- right now, exactly. since we're stuck so inside. So much nostalgia. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> if you'd like us to discuss a particular game, send us an email at randomrewards at octalysisgroup.com. We love getting your suggestions and we love yeah, trying out yeah. new games. We love that. And today's episode is actually inspired by the one and only Remote Framework by Yukai Chao. Yes, this is a new framework. It's not just a framework for working remotely, it's actually a framework about how to build your company culture in a way that works in a that works with a remote team oftentimes people try to translate they just try to keep doing business as usual when they transition to remote teams and they find that it doesn't work productivity goes way down um their their the employee morale goes down because people are stressed all the time because they don't know how to separate work and and um personal lives in the same place there's less accountability. There's less systems. Do they micromanage? Do they undermanage? So this is a this is a challenge a lot of companies are going through right now. That's not something Octalis is. We've been fully remote for pretty much since the beginning. That sounds pretty exciting. So you can check that out on our website www at octalisgroup.com. Octalisgroup.com. Not at octalisgroup.com. Yeah, it's like Twitter just invaded the the address bar in your in your web browser. No, we'll, mean, we'll link to the show notes. You we'll can also send us an email at at octalsisgroup.com. I think that's yes. a great thing to do. Yeah. All right, so let's get into it. This is a classic 16-bit game. It's one of the first games released for the Super Nintendo, Super Mario World. And I believe it was released in 1992, if I can recall correctly. I remember seeing this game and just my mind being blown as like a seven-year-old in the in the mall. Like I, I went to like a software store and I saw it playing on a TV monitor, and I was like, "What is this game? This game looks incredible! It's so so old school by our current standards." But uh, what's your what's your connection to Super Mario World? So actually, I just looked it up. It's actually 1990 even older so it's almost my age which is kind of weird to think about because I played it a lot a lot when I was around seven to maybe ten yeah around that age Mm -hmm. so yeah I I would basically live off Super Mario the only (laughs) thing I would do after school is go to my friend's place which had a Super Nintendo and I also had one but we would play together because hey we can right. we have two controllers and we would play together yeah so yeah that was our thing every mm-hmm. time it would rain we do it even when 
doesn't rain, but <laughs> don't tell that to our parents. <laughs> I what the, there's a weird thing with time. I remember this game feeling like it was really epic mm. and long, and yeah. yet playing it later as an adult, realizing like it only takes like an hour to play. <laughs> like it's not that it's, it's not that long. It's crazy, but I would play it for years. Yeah, and I don't remember ever finishing it to be honest really why do you think you played it for so long so in the first place I continued to play because I would always go to my friend's place yeah and spend time with her and play the game so that made me play every single day instead of coming back maybe twice a month which I used to do for other games yeah but that one was like particularly fun just to play with my friend. And even though you couldn't play like together in one screen, you yeah. need to alternate turns. Yeah. It was still really exciting just to also watch each other play. Yeah. That was also actually that was the time where I really, really, really enjoyed watching other people play. So it was be it Super Mario, be it The Sims, be it like any other yeah a game on the super nintendo as well it was just the thing you did you just yeah. st- sit there maybe sometimes with like four or five friends and the yeah. console obviously just has two controllers but you yeah. would just look at it and it's fun and then another thing is just the exploration of the map and we're yeah. gonna come to this a little bit later just yeah. exploring new places and new worlds And also having that sort of time pressure. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gives you a bit of urgency too. Yeah. Yeah. It just like excites you every time you play. I really liked, I really liked the exploration as well. That was my, one of my favorite things is always seeing like what was new, what, what, what was around the corner, what were the levels going to be like? And then you, then there was like secrets as well. The hidden passages and stuff like that. It always felt like you, like you had discovered something that no one else had discovered. Cause this was in the yeah. days before the internet and it wasn't like, you couldn't figure this stuff out yourself. You had to actually, exactly. like you, you couldn't figure it out anywhere else. You, you had to ask your friends or, or just figure it out. And so you would think like you would discover <laughs> all of these other aspects of the game and think that you were the only one who ever found them. I wonder how we did this actually, because I remember. Right. How did we do anything without would, the internet? Right? I think actually, like it would be like my friend says something like, "Oh, my sister told me that you can actually go down this po- passage here. Let's try it out." And maybe her sister knew from her friend, and her friend know from her sister, and. <laughs> kind of this continuous cycle of information right quite interesting yeah yeah exactly it's like (laughs) there's like networks like ad hoc social networks of of information about games yeah it's really interesting with the sims back then remember rosebud that keyword (laughs) i got to know that from a friend of a friend and then just used it and then it was fun so it's yeah, information flow back in the '90s was something else than now. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so we already started talking about it, but let's dive into uh, a little bit deeper into why people play this game. We're going to use the Octalysis framework, which explains motivation through eight core drives, and we're not going to talk about every single core drive, just the ones that apply 
to this game. We'll talk about them as we as we go. So one of the one of the ones we just talked about was Core Drive Seven, unpredictability and curiosity, and that is the drive to to know what's going to happen next. And I think Mario did a really good job, kind of on a macro sense of this. Like every world was different, and they had you had this overworld map, and and you were always accessing new areas. Um, and also inside the game, there was these little places where there would be something that would be just out of reach. And you're like, how do I get there? Hmm. Like, what is that? Where, where, how do I get to that? Sometimes Um, you're totally stuck, right? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you're stuck and, and, and it's that curiosity and wonder that drives you forward. And I think that's also Mm -hmm. like part of Nintendo's overall brand is that Mm -hmm. they really want to create delightful, wondrous experiences, and 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 that kind of defines what fun is in a video game in some ways for me at least definitely definitely i think nintendo has brought all these games to another level of feeling that excitement and unpredictability and create that curiosity for yeah. the users yeah by just generating these wondrous worlds of adventure <laughs> yeah <laughs> really having also different enemy types and right. just all these hidden secrets and passages and that just makes it so exciting every single time you play it and there's always something to explore right yeah and that's maybe why you want to keep playing because you you always you want to like find all the secrets it's like the mm-hmm. game itself if you were to just play it linearly isn't that long, but it takes a while to figure out the secrets, especially if you don't have a strategy guide, you can immediately open up. And actually just playing it over and over and over again Mm -hmm. was never boring because of that. Yeah. And I mean, one of the other things is just the progression. That's why you played it over and over again. So that's core drive two, which is development and accomplishment. So progressing from the beginning of the level to the end, basically. And also continuing on that world map. It just yeah. shows you that you actually achieved something. You went through that <laughs> world and you actually went to new places. Oh, yeah. At the end of every level, you get the points and you're like jumping for that. that um, there's that exit. The flag. Kind of- yeah, the flag that's like moving yeah. up and down. And you're trying to like get it. Oh my you're god! Trying to get the one up. I got so angry if I wouldn't make it to the top. Oh my yeah. god! I remember this moment so well. Yeah, the the secrets wouldn't work as well without that sense of accomplishment. Exactly. It's yeah. like those two things in combination. And then another big core drive is core drive three, uh, empowerment of creativity and feedback. We're talking about fun, and what just makes like sheer delight happen. Um, first of all, like Mario is just fun, feels very fun to play. It's fun just to, if you listen to talks with the designers, they talk about how they spend a lot of time just making Mario movement fun, even in just an empty world. So he's got all these interesting moves. You can, you can jump, you can spin. Um, and then he's also got boosters. So boosters are items that you can collect in the world that empower desired actions in this case it's to keep playing it's to continue through the level and the boosters you know what they are they're the fire flower the cape um also yoshi Mm -hmm. yoshi was a big introduction (laughs) (laughs) he gets introduced really really quickly in the game as well and he becomes like this defining factor of 
you know, sort of how to, you know, when you feel powered up in the game, that's what, that's one of the things is, is the boosters really give you this feeling like you are far more powerful. Like if you get an invincibility star, you want to just mm-hmm. use that as soon as possible and, and run as fast as you can through the level. Definitely. No. What other yeah. core drives? I think one other core drive is also core drive eight. And we mentioned that a little bit. So core drive eight is loss and avoidance. Yeah. So it's, it's basically when you have to run until <laughs> you don't run out of time before right. it's ended. So, yeah, it's core drive six as well, scarcity and patience. But that that those black hat core drives are really are really I mean, they they make the game they keep you in that flow curve. You know, the game starts out really easy. It's like super inviting. And then later the game gets really, really hard. And the the likelihood that you're going to die is very high as you get to like the later castles yeah. and things or the airships. Yeah, um, so you basically continuously run out of lives and then you need to start over. Yeah. And the enemies just get so, so hard and the obstacles increase if you're leveling up. So, yeah, it's kind of that constant feeling of, Oh my God, am I going to make it? Oh my God, am I going to make it? And you're probably not. And then you need to redo. So. Yeah. 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 And I think that's what keeps, uh, that's what keeps people coming back to the game. You're talking about why you played it for so long. I think if it was too easy for too long, then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't last so long. It wouldn't last so long in your consciousness. There's some levels that are just like deviously, deviously hard. Like, like um, when you open uh, the secret area, the Star Road. You remember the Star Road? Mm. Yeah, the, the, you find this just like completely secret world that you can access at various different points yeah. throughout the world map. And oh, I guess I, I never explained what the game was. I just assume that anybody listening to this knows what Super Mario World is. I think most people will know. Yeah, what yeah. Super Mario is right. I just realized I didn't explain it. It's a side scroller where you play a plumber who eats mushrooms to battle turtles and goombas to save a princess. <laughs> I, I, I really like, like that description. <laughs> which sounds like I've gone insane, like talking it about that. Sounds like you ate the mushroom yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but so when you get to that star road, those levels are so difficult. Like I remember just not being able to complete them and like just banging my head against the wall and playing over and over. When I was a kid, I had a lot more patience for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now I just quit a game if it's too hard, but when I was a kid, yeah. I wouldn't quit. You also didn't have that many games to play. So as a kid, you would just continuously play and play and play until you get it. It was almost like you need to brag to brag about this with your friend as well. Because yeah. yeah, I usually <laughs> played it with my friends. So yeah. they were like, hey, you're so bad at playing this. Why? <laughs> oh, I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. you were saying you were saying that you liked watching your friend? Yeah, definitely. So for me, there was also quite a huge quarter at five that I maybe created myself more than the game itself. Yeah. So I really enjoyed watching my friend play and see what strategies she's using mm-hmm. and then copy her strategies or copy parts of her strategies, combine them with my strategies. and improve my skills throughout that and that I think it it really was one of the key aspects of me playing the game because I really loved 
just looking at how she's doing it differently. Yeah, that's interesting. And and I think the difficulty there lends itself to that. Like you we're both having trouble playing a level. And so watching, you know, watching the other person like saying, oh, you did that. I'm going to try that next mm-hmm. time. And you're like slowly figuring it out together, even though you're playing exactly. at different times. Yeah. Sometimes you're like shouting at her like, hey, like, don't do this. Go up, go up, go left. No, you forgot this and this. Yeah. <laughs> Stop here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we could probably talk about this game forever. Um, Like I said, it holds a very dear place in my heart, but it's also like just an example of really incredible game design that, you know, Nintendo has refined over time. Nintendo um, gets a lot of credit, but they they deserve it for how really well-structured their games are. Mm -hmm. Um, This actually, I'll circle back to Core Drive 2, development and accomplishment. We want users to feel smart in any experience. And Nintendo always makes you feel smart without telling you what to do. You just learn how to do it via the interaction. Yes, definitely. And and that I think is like the gold standard for how any experience should be. Like ideally you shouldn't have to tell anyone anything. Um, Sometimes we have to uh, because it's it's too hard to create interaction uh, that people you know, figure it out for themselves. But it's so wonderful when you do do that. Like when you jump on your first enemy and you're like, oh, I can jump on them, you know, or... It's so interesting you say that because it's really, it's, you don't need an onboarding. You can just start playing. Mm -hmm. There's no barrier of entry. Yeah. You're on the left side of the screen and in the Western world, uh, or uh, you go from left to right. And so you just assume I need to go right. You know, you see enemies and they're moving Mm. and they look bad and you're like, oh man, what do I do? You see a turtle uh, coming at you and the, and the (laughs) head doesn't have a helmet on it. And so you think, can I jump on that? I can jump. You see a question mark. Yeah, exactly. I think even the, the shapes or the consistency of objects kind of tell you what you need to do with them. Right. Like, for example, the the uh, turtles, right? Yeah. They have the hard shell on top. So yeah. what can you do with it? Can you go on top? Yeah. Or can you smash them around? Right, right, right. right. You hit it, it, it's soft head. There's no helmet on top, mm-hmm. but then it turns into a shell, right? And it changes state. And then when, when you have the shell there, you're like, what do I do with the shell? And then you like can pick it up, you can... You can tap it and then it and then it goes sideways. And all of these things seem you never want an interaction to feel weird. Like you don't want to be like, why, why did that happen? Like that doesn't make sense. And each of these things make, as you say, intuitive is a good word. It makes intuitive sense. Yeah. Or even the brick as well. Yeah. The bricks that you can hit with your head. Yeah. You can see that you should be hitting them. Like they invite you almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no spikes on them, but then something spikes act as you imagine spikes would, mm-hmm. or fire or something. Yeah, right. Or, exactly. Or to, yeah, yeah. That's that's amazing. I really love diving back into that experience. Brings yeah. it back all those nostalgic moments when I <laughs> yeah. was playing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> uh, gamification isn't just fun. It's also the oh my god. I know. 
I know, secret reveal. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> it's also the key to long-term engagement for your users. So now we're going to choose a random industry and top business metric, and then we're going to brainstorm um, a solution that utilizes the same core drives of this game. Um, this is, just so you know, it's a shortened step of our five-step process, which usually takes months, and it's a cus completely customized process we take clients through end-to-end um, -to, -end to, to comprehensively solve uh, business problems. Yeah. yeah. So how do we get this started? What is our first thing we usually think about when we start a project? Well, first, first the client comes to us and says, what's the business, right, that we're trying to solve? And so the business today is going to be team communication. <laughs> team communication and with that, tool. what do you mean with that? <laughs> team communication tools. So like uh, Slack or Zoom, those kinds of things, things that use uh, for mm. remote teams. So and we all know everything about those tools these days. Yeah, yeah. A lot people more are people to, are using them. Yeah, yeah. This is like a major transition time for people. As we were saying, um, talking about the remote framework, that people are just having to tr immediately completely change and disrupt how they were doing things. And, and these tools are a huge, sometimes they're kind of a crutch, but, but they are an essential aspect of you know, unifying and uh, creating a good remote team workflow. Mm. I think the main issue with a lot of people is just changing yeah. their workflow based yeah. on those tools yeah. because they were not used to using those tools. And it feels like a crutch in the beginning, but then they can realize how helpful they actually are to communicate in a team and yeah, solve a lot of their problems that they're having based on on communication i think i have never actually communicated better in teams than in our remote working team and we're basically spread all over the planet right right we see each other once a year in <laughs> exactly. person and we're probably exactly. not probably not this year <laughs> <laughs> Shame. <laughs> I'm gonna cry again. I know, I'm I know. so much today. This is the podcast where I make Sabrina cry all the time. Exactly. Um, hashtag not... make Sabrina cry. Oh man, that's a rough <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> if that gets trending, like you shouldn't go on Twitter. <laughs> so so it's not enough to just have an industry. If someone came, if a client came to us and said, Hey, we're trying to build a team communication tool. Uh, help us <laughs> the first the first question we would have is okay great what's your goal what's your what's your as we call it a top business metric exactly so yep. we can look at for example uh, the number of workers who have higher productivity right or maybe you want something a bit more intrinsic which is number of workers who are happier right. although happier is quite hard to obviously track yeah, But you can do some questionnaires or if you're a smaller company, you can even look at, 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 at asking the people in your company directly. Yeah. Well, it's like you were saying, um, you know, the, you can, it's not quantifiable and, and business metrics need to be quantifiable. So the, you have to find a way to measure it. It wouldn't be good if the, if, the, if the client said, 
yeah, we want to increase our user happiness. We would ask them, okay, what does that mean? Like, mm. you know, defined by what? Like you what said, what is the definition of yeah. happy? Right, and that's a that's a wormhole to go down, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I did I did my MBA thesis about how to how to make remote workers well-being yeah. better so like how to increase happiness and i actually went through the whole definition of happiness of well-being of all these words and it's really it's really extremely yeah. hard yeah what yeah, did you find was the best like way to measure happiness well i actually measured it through several tools but yeah. i found happiness is the, the best to actually ask by uh, qualitative data so not quantitative but qualitative data mm -hmm. and that is harder obviously to use as business metric but you can use it in combination of for example mm -hmm. higher productivity because higher productivity could also be based on happiness because people are more happy and more excited at work they they will in the end increase their productivity so right. there's a lot of different ways you can actually measure it and i don't know if the way that i did it was the best because yeah. i did qualitative and quantitative research yeah. Yeah. at the same time but you were talking about priority and so so currently we have our priority is productivity is first so if yeah. and and the way we define business metrics and the way we define the priority is that if the top business metric is maximized, but the other business metrics below it are, are middling or mediocre, then the business is still successful. Mm -hmm. So in this case, that's true because the amount of workers who have higher productivity is a much, is a, is a quantifiable thing. If you said, you know, this, this new competitor to Slack or Zoom or one of those said that, you know, users who use our product are twice as effective as the, as the, as the competition. That's a pretty good selling point that would make a more, uh, more successful product. Uh, but also we know that happier employees are more productive. And so if you were to put happier up top, what would, what do you think the impl the change would be if you prioritize happiness over productivity? Well, I think the main difference is just the way you set it up as a company like yeah. how the actual experience feels like because if you if you have your focus on happiness itself right it's way more of a let's say a little bit less restringing and like less urgency <laughs> right. a little bit more uh core drive one right so epic meaning and calling yeah. more focus on the let's make people feel good instead yeah. of creating urgency right yeah yeah so so the design implications would be far different um one way to think about this when you're when you're prioritizing business metrics is to think about the kind of worst case scenario so to speak so say that all your employees are productive but they're not super happy they're like they're okay right they're they're like essentially like factory workers, like they get it done. Like Amazon, right, is a really good example of people who are highly productive, but probably not as happy as you would like. Exactly. Um, but then on the other side, 
if you put happiness over productivity and you have everybody super happy, but they're not that productive, then you've got essentially like a hobbyist group, right? Or like, yeah. you're not, you're not. Let's creating. dance around the circle, <laughs> sing some songs. <laughs> so then you think like, which one of these worst case scenarios can I live with? Obviously you want to mm-hmm. do them both, but design is all about trade-off. So um, in the end, yeah, I think we have definitely. to go for productivity as being the and, higher. And I think that totally depends on the company culture as well. Yeah, yeah. If you're a company that is more towards changing the world for the better and like your first right. vision is basically changing people's lives, mm-hmm. then you would probably not want to choose higher productivity as the right. first one. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, just thinking about these things when you think of your business yeah. or somebody else's business is, is highly important. And also not to go down too far down the rabbit hole, but then we have to talk about what does productivity mean? That might be too vague of a term. Definitely. Because is productivity just the amount of, you know, if you're engineers, is it the amount of code that you write or is it the amount of products that you ship or mm-hmm. is it the amount of hours that you work? I think we've found at this point that hours worked is a pretty poor business metric for in determining Definitely. success. We know that you can at, you can work 40 hours on something, <laughs> but if you're like checking Facebook every five seconds, then you're going to create substandard work. And at the same time, if you work three hours, but it's like deep focus and you're having all these insights and making all these connections, you can make something that's actually more valuable for your company. Exactly. And so, I remember actually Yukai talking about this because he was thinking of the payment scheme of Octalysis Group. Yeah. And he found it very unfair that somebody who does a really good job and is really quick <laughs> at finalizing something yeah. basically uh, would get paid less right. per hour if it's an hourly rate of pay yeah. than somebody who does a really like horrible job or yeah. maybe it's just not as skilled as him maybe yeah. works 40 hours for something instead of 10 hours right. and would get paid four times more. I mean, yeah. that makes basically yeah. zero sense. So yeah, thinking about productivity, hourly, yeah. it, no, it doesn't make that much sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so like in order to, to make the design very specific, really effective, you would have to spend some time. And this is something we would, could spend literally hours on and we do when we talk about business metrics. So something that might be a better business metric for productivity is like number of high quality deliverables for internal mm. and external purposes or something Definitely. to that effect. Yeah. Because you have to say high quality because you can't just say number of deliverables because then quality suffers. Yeah, and that again, it depends on the business, right? If you have, if you, for example, produce shoes mm-hmm. and your shoes are basically you are a seller that has the focus on cheap shoes, but right. a huge qu- quantity, mm-hmm. then you might want to have it in a, put in a different way as if you actually want to have that quality. If you're a quality brand, like if you're Gucci, for example, right. you're really high up that rank on quality. So there it would be, quality would be obviously the first business metric to think about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this is an interesting, because this is one step removed, right? Because it, because as a team communication platform, 
of any kind, you want to facilitate productivity in another business. So what you don't want is amount of productivity on the platform. And so, and I actually think this is maybe one of the downsides of Slack, especially is Slack is kind of engineered to use Slack. Yeah. But using mm-hmm. Slack doesn't create high quality deliverables to your business. Oftentimes <laughs> exactly. it's that, right? If you spend 10 hours on Slack, it doesn't mean that you've actually finished your tasks. Right. Slack can go to their board of directors or their investors and say, you know, we've, we've increased, you know, we've 10 times the amount of communication on Slack, <laughs> but <laughs> they can't necessarily say, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe Slack wants, you know, and this is again, why it's really important to be aligned on your business metrics. Maybe investors say, well, we just care about users. We don't care about how productive you make other people. We just care mm-hmm. about how many people are engaged in Slack or Zoom. Mm-hmm. But uh, so basically, to, their business metric would be the yeah. amount spent on their platform, for example. Right. But if that was the case, then you could literally just make it a game platform because <laughs> we know games are going to be more engaging. Definitely. You could just put like Mahjong or Solitaire <laughs> on, on your Slack. Like, hey, uh, waiting back for a response from your, your colleague on that, on that report that you're working on. Why don't you just play a game of Mahjong to like pass the time? <laughs> Can you do that on Discord? Can you play like Mahjong or something like that? I don't know. Discord's a different thing, right? Because Discord, yeah. while we do use it for team Discord, communication, yeah. it's mostly for game communication. It is made for gaming. Yeah. So they actually want to bring you to spend more time with right. your games. Right, right, exactly. So Discord, yeah, their their top business metric is probably time spent on platform mm-hmm. um, and amount of friends because you that network effect thing. Whereas Slack, you don't have friends, right? You just have your... <laughs> don't have friends. You don't have friends on Slack. It's just business. <laughs> no, no, what oh I mean God. to say is, what I mean to say is that you have like instances of Slack, right? You have your, you have your like workplace and in your yeah. workplace, you have your team. But you don't have like friends outside where it says like, hey, John at, you know, other company is online. Do you want to send them a message? Definitely. So, so I think you have have channels, but you don't really have, you have the one-on-one conversations, the direct messages, but you don't, you don't really have a one-on-one friends room. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't have persistent friends across multiple organizations. Yeah. And that's because they don't care about that. That's not part of the deal. So it they seems to me like friends. they don't care about friends. Yeah. <laughs> In the remote world, there's no friends. It's just, it's all like virtual acquaintances. <laughs> what a sad, what a sad <laughs> reality. <laughs> so, wow. so my question, and, and I may be belaboring this point, or it may seem like I am, but if we don't get, really really clear on what exactly we're trying to do it's really hard to create features or or take any of the rest of the next steps of the process definitely yeah so i think that slack and zoom time on platform is not the top business metric so what does productivity look like is it facilitating productivity for those companies so is the top business metric like the increase in high quality deliverables for companies Mm. 
think it's like the increase of high quality communication and between team members mm. to increase the productivity sure. in the company. It sounds really like a long, <laughs> complicated <laughs> sentence. <laughs> well, and then, but it goes in so many levels. That's why it's kind of complicated. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then, what is high quality communication? Right. How yeah. do you define that? That's a very like, <laughs> we're getting philosophical here. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so communication that is that is clear, probably um, personable. I mean, uh, this is kind of just taken from the remote framework, right? Like it's it's communication that triggers action, um, communication that allows for expression and openness. So all of this exactly. stuff is really important and facilitating and- all that. And I guess you can also pick like which one is your main focus on. Like if openness is is one of the main focuses, then that should be on top of the business metric. Like open dialogue with your coworkers. Right, right, right. So I think it's clear that we're not going to solve this today as to, as what, what <laughs> is going to be all of these. Because sometimes we have business metrics that are, you know, like there's 10 and Definitely. there's like top three and the three feeding into each other. And then there's a second and, tier. And and the hard thing here is we don't actually have a specific business that we can ask, right. hey, what, what would you want people to do? So we kind of come up with something. So yeah. I think if we would work with a business, it would still take quite a long time to define this because it is like three-sided. Yeah. So you can see that it's not always just, hey, what's your business metric? Oh, daily active users. Okay, next thing. That's <laughs> right. not how we work. That's not, that's yeah. not our life. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, this is a multi-party, right? This is a this is a multi-stakeholder organization and my opinion is that what the top business metric should be increasing the rate of high-quality deliverables and then increasing the rate of high-quality communication probably mm-hmm. would be would yeah. be the top I think that's two. the closest we can go yeah. for now. Yeah, yeah. So if we were going to move to the next step, if we were to fast forward through our process and go to what we call feature brainstorm, what wouldn't we do? <laughs> I love this What part. wouldn't we do while yeah. doing the feature brainstorm? Yeah. So we okay well i would say if someone came to us and and they said great we want you to help improve our communication platform and we love super mario world we've seen that you know we've done all this research and found that super mario world is one of the most engaging games ever and we love this gamification thing and and you know i i we want you to make it just like that Mm. so now what what would you do if you were a bad gamification designer what if I'm a bad gamification designer? I would take Super Mario. I would say, hey, we got Yoshi. You definitely need that little helper there yeah. where you can jump on and it can help <laughs> you eat mushrooms. Yeah. So the mushrooms might be like documents. Oh, yeah, it can eat documents. Yeah. So every time your friend or no, we don't have friends on that platform. Yeah, your no colleague <laughs> sends you a document. Then your little helper, yeah. which is like a dinosaur thing, can yeah. eat it. And then you you maybe you get like an egg or right. some yeah. oh some fire flowers as well, some stars maybe. 
Right. You can get some stars, you can collect it. And oh yeah, if you have enough of them, if you have yeah. like a few of those things eaten, maybe yeah. then like a star pops up and you can catch it and you can <laughs> run for your life. You can run and run and run. run and, and you're even progressing through a world map yeah, on yeah, yeah. Slack. Yeah, yeah world map on Slack. Hitting my hand. <laughs> and then near the end of a project, you have the flag that you're going to. But if you don't hit the flag in the right in the right time, then you don't get, get paid punished. as much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your boss can punish you if you don't hit the flag. If you don't hit the correctly. flag correctly. Yeah. So so this it sounds is. super ridiculous what we're talking about, but this is actually what a lot of people do. They they assume that if they just slap game-like elements like points, badges, leaderboards, etc., onto their platform, it'll make it fun. And we know exactly. that's not the case. Definitely. Uh, unfortunately it's not that easy <laughs> or fortunately actually <laughs> yeah yeah well it's it's a more i i really like this process because you actually just start from the core drives and you work your way outwards and so exactly. um, one thing we haven't talked about well we haven't really talked about player types nor desired actions so uh desired actions i think if you were doing high quality deliverables then desired actions may be doing progress updates um uh, having meetings, but having like efficient meetings or, or attending meetings, I guess would be another way. Um, presenting the work that you did, uh, keeping on task, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. Keeping on task, kind of a fuzzy desired action, like doing, doing the work is one. Maybe even have the Slack calls, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, communicating with your, your colleagues. Yeah, responding to messages from your colleagues. So if somebody's writing on Slack, you should be right. you should be responding. Yeah, but I would also say for the happiness thing, if we if happiness is in there somewhere, then then <laughs> good actions are setting good boundaries, like between mm. work and life, um, create uh, setting realistic expectations for for how to be treated. Because a lot of people, so so a lot of the danger with Slack is that it becomes a thing where you're just working constantly because you get Slack notifications on your phone. You're in bed. You're like about to go to sleep. You, maybe you work on, you, maybe you work on a distributed remote team around the world. And so someone in Europe uh, is, is texting you and you live in America on Slack and messaging you on Slack. And you're like, Oh, I'll just answer this one question. Right. It's not malevolent. <laughs> exactly. You're not, it's not like your boss expects you to work 24 hours a day. But because it's so easy to communicate, yeah, you it just do. keeps you on that loop. Yeah. And actually we had, I remember in the very beginning mm -hmm. of Slack, they had these messages. I'm not sure if they exist still, but yeah. if you're entering it would say uh, somewhere in the world, there is one person of, of the Octalysis group that's still awake yeah <laughs> and this is a great thing to think about it's fun but yeah. actually this was in the beginning of mm -hmm. working for the Octalis group this was a challenge for me because it is it is true you always have somebody that's active on the platform yeah and it makes it harder for you to set boundaries and i think that is definitely one one of the desired actions that need to be included right. for yeah well-being of remote workers yeah so so one example is so core drive 2 development accomplishment is a really it, it's an important core drive in super mario world and in 
in doing, being productive and achieving things, it's a very important core drive. So it's also one of the easier ones to start talking about designing for. And it's one that a lot of people do. So a lot of people make it too easy to do everything. And so when you do that, the core, you know, like then, then people spend time, too much time on the platform and, and it becomes counterproductive. But mm-hmm. one way you could do it in a productive way is integrating a kind of task management system but with a focus blocker. So uh, if you're familiar with focus blockers, like cold turkey mm, yeah. or freedom or something like that. Where you can so, plant a tree or something. Yeah. So say you had yeah. a schedule, you like just set up a schedule at the beginning of the day, you had like templates for your schedule. And then you said, okay, I'm at work. And then it automatically updates your status in Slack and it focus blocks everything else. And so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an integrated thing. People know not to message you because you're working. And you you don't have to do it yourself, so there's less cogn- there's less friction to taking the action, because you can yeah. set your status in Slack, but you have to. That's like one more thing you have to do in Slack. Mm. That's more, more time you're spending doing it and not doing whatever it is you're actually trying to get accomplished. Yeah, I actually never did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I- the, yeah. the great thing about that, if you have like a focus blocker, is you can also do something like, I don't know if you know the app, I can't remember the name, but it basically, you're growing trees while you're Forest. focusing. Forest. Yeah. How easy is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're growing trees while you focus. Yeah. Forest. Okay. Easy enough. Yeah. And And if you wanted to integrate a world map, that would be a cool way to do it. You could build a world map as you like get closer to the end of a project and you like at the beginning of a project, you do deliverables. So it becomes more of like a team management software as well as communication because then it knows when to shut out communication and when you need to work. So people can say like, it's urgent. I need to send you a message but then it could automatically sync with your calendar and say when you are or aren't working. So that's a simple mm. way to create more focus and, and focus more on high quality deliverables. Definitely. And the cool thing could also be that your progress on the map wouldn't just be based on the work you're doing, but also the, the free time you're doing, like the Ooh. reading you're doing. Like if you don't interrupt your off time. Yeah. So, for example, it could even be like a, uh, a sort of obstacle that is in that world map, which is basically while yeah. you're resting, yeah. you need to climb that mountain. And if you're stopping that rest, you get stuck on the mountain. So you need to redo it the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or it could be a booster. Like you, you wait a certain amount mm. of time and it charges up yeah. a booster, which then allows you to get maybe more points. If we added points to the system, it's it's not a great idea to just say, let's add points for no reason. <laughs> but, it, but if there were points that were like, you know, something where you get collaboration points or something to show like how you're you're doing it well, like you're you're showing that you are in good work life balance for yourself. Mm-hmm. And and you were like leveling up in that and you saw that and you got extra points for for uh, resting and it also exactly. would pace and and then there could be triggers right so in the remote framework they talk about how there's a whole trigger layer and slack right now the triggers are pretty indiscriminate so they they trigger you no matter what no matter what state you're in um 
you see that notification. I hate the red dot. Yeah. I've always want the red dot to go away. So I'm always like, where is it? Where's the conversation? I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going <laughs> to click it. And then I'm going to leave, leave slack. I hate it too. I, I have that with all my notifications everywhere. Yeah. And sometimes actually with slack, it's even worse if you have a lot of people because you actually need to scroll up to yeah. basically show that you've read it or like you can click to, yeah. to say, Oh, I read it all basically. Yeah. So uh, it makes me so angry sometimes because I'm like, Oh, this is just like a super, super long conversation yeah. that I didn't really want to read like everything. Yeah. But I still like just scroll through it just to get rid of the dot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so one thing that could happen is yeah, that notification doesn't happen while you're in work mode. Mm. So, so, and even it's like stops you. It's like, are you sure you want to stop your work mode? Hmm. You know, and, and maybe it tracks the amount of time, the amount of times that you like forest does, right. Where you have the, the, the tree like dies if you come back Dead into time. it too early yeah. and that stays on your world map. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then, and then your world map could be viewed by others. So your boss, right. could be like, you know, checking in on you, but they don't have to check in on you. They just check on your world map being built and they see like, Oh, this is how many times they've like stopped working. This is how many times yeah. they've, you know, stopped. Uh, they did, you know, they rested an adequate amount of time before coming back. I would love this to be like a team play. Mm. So you can actually give boosters to your colleagues for certain actions. Yeah. So if, for example, if you got a really cool answer from your colleague yeah. during your work hours, you can send them a booster. Or if you had a really cool conversation or if they helped you with something, right. that would be so awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And if it was during work hours and you got a booster, it would be cool if... You, you can automatically send them a booster if they did it, if they responded in a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And you could also define maybe the difference between I'm asking a work question and I'm just communicating with you. So if there's like a, I have this, I have this actual problem I need to solve, then you could like define the type of communication you were mm -hmm. sending. That's a really great point because what I sometimes miss is knowing if I can communicate with somebody just leisurely, like I would like to go in there, just having a chat, yeah. just kind of like talking and, Hey, how you doing? Like yeah. you do in a real office, right? And in real office, you sometimes go and just have a chat to your colleague for an hour over coffee about life and how your wife's doing and how, <laughs> whatever, like what yeah. movie you were watching. And that gets a little bit harder, I think, on Slack because you're always on in that work mode. Right. So you might have a channel for that, mm -hmm. but then there's the question: like, is somebody going to be there or not? Like, you don't ever sure. Know. Yeah, we we experimented with uh, Sokoko, mm -hmm. and and it gave you a little bit more of that sense of giving you a visual indicator because because there was like a map of an office and there's these icons on the screen um, that you know, show where you are and everybody just like in a real office, everybody has their own room. And then there's the common rooms where you're more open to like just general meetings, or you can like go meet in private rooms. So by simulating a virtual office, it gave you a much better indication of how available people were to chat. 
and what types of communication mm-hmm. they were interested in. Yeah. So I spent most of that time just like locked in my office, but I saw that other people <laughs> were, sometimes were outside, That's right? So sad. I know, locked in my virtual office. <laughs> Why do you lock yourself in your virtual office? Why are you the even there? In my mind, that's why. <laughs> the prison's in my mind, not... Uh, so I'm like knocking on the door. I'm like, sorry, I don't want to... You have to knock, you, right? But... You have to virtually <laughs> knock. And that's really cool. Sococo didn't end up being all that good for us because it wasn't integrated. Like it was just that virtual office. Yeah. And then it was kind of like limited functionality otherwise. There was and no communication between, for example, Slack and Sococo or any right. other platform we would use. And a lot of these platforms want to be, there, there's interesting different business ideas, right? There's some platforms that want to be everything. I feel like Slack is trying to start to be everything if they can, but they still aren't a team management tool. They have like mm. some integrations, like plugins, but they're kind of, they're not great. Um, but when you just are one part of it, if you're just the chat, then you have to be aware of how people are using these other platforms. Mm. Yeah, definitely. The platform we're talking about, I feel like is a fully integrated one because it only makes sense that you would want to go one place for everything. Yeah, we want to also improve what we already experience, which is basically just a flat yeah. experience. Flat chat. But yeah, you can you can really do that as an integrated platform for yeah. pretty much everything you can do. What would you do if you would want to add a little bit more Core Drive 7? Core Drive so 7. Unpredictability and curiosity. I mean, you, you do have the messages that obviously the notifications, but they don't always make me very curious, to be honest, because I never yeah, know, like, is it targeted or... towards me? Is it something yeah. I'm interested in? There's quite a few messages all at the same time, maybe. It's also so, the core drives can be anti-core drives too. And so an mm, anti-core drive is utilizing the same motivation yeah. to do something other than the desired action. So in this case, the anti-core drive seven unpredictability and curiosity would be checking Slack too often instead of yes. working. So, so actually there's a lot of core drive seven going on that we have to kind of neutralize. Mm-hmm. So that's the real, that's the real trick is it's not adding more core drive seven is like all over the place. Um, I think it's creating the right curiosity Yeah. because that curiosity you're talking about leads to a lot of anxiety as well. Yeah. It just feels like that fear of missing out as well. There's a lot of quarter leading to a lot of quarter of eight. Yeah. Uh, loss and avoidance because right. you, you feel like you need to constantly just check what's going on. Yeah. Because of that trigger, because of that stupid little button, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you probably want to make that trigger more like context specific instead of having it just be red. Um, Mm. Like maybe having it have different different types of, yeah, different types of icons to denote different things. So if there's, and again, this could relate to the type of communication. So if someone's sending you a message and it's a work message and it's, and it's, said it's urgent then mm. you get a red dot you get you, you know yeah, you get yeah. a, an exclamation mark or something and then you know like hey this is something that is really super important usually right. it's the private messages right. that's with me usually those i i always answer directly because i think those have the highest importancy right but 
Yeah, it could be that somebody really wants to have your opinion in a discussion, for example, and then you can yeah. tag them and tag the topic as like red mm-hmm. because it's like something that is crucial to be answered as soon as possible. Right. But it could also be something that is more like a leisurely tag yeah. or a co- comedy tag. <laughs> like, hey, I think I think Chris would really like this joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like random and while you're while you're in work mode like integrated in your phone integrated in your computer mm. it just mm-hmm. suppresses all notifications and then when you're in yeah. in not work mode then you can get uh the notifications that you know are different colors so it's like green if it's like more just fun or mm-hmm. interesting and then you're curious but you know what kind of curious to be it yeah. like primes you for yeah, that's a really simple thing. I wonder if it is that simple to change notifications based on states, based on different actions. Could be very simple to program that, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then the sound, and then you could add the sound, right? So the different Slack sounds. has the, you know, the click, 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 click. I have turned that off like years ago. I don't even know how it sounds anymore. So it's this like clicking sound, but it could be different sounds based on the different types of communication you're getting. I'm not just having cacao talk in my head, which is like similar to Yoshi, which is like. It sounds like Yoshi. Oh my goodness. I listened to too much Yoshi sounds when I was little. And then for. Yeah, I owned a whole CD of Yoshi. I just gave that just gave me another idea. So so you could download theme packs and the theme packs you could get that give you different sounds for your mm. notifications. So you could get a Super Mario World theme pack. That's like, really cool. Something like that. Ding, and you could ding. and in order to get these theme packs, maybe you'd have to get points. And, and maybe points you need to do from, cert, like almost like a collect build a collection set. You can yeah kind of if you do certain desired actions like yeah. if you do all of those desired actions once yeah. you get like one collection set and yeah. that means you unlocking some new really cool sounds yeah, yeah. sounds or different notification types or, or, or whatever progressing on the world map as well yeah so i think that's a good way to deal with the the, the abundant core drive seven that's in the mm-hmm. i was i was curious what do you what do you think would be good changes sort of along these lines to the video aspect or or I guess another way to think about it is what is currently lacking with zoom and slack's video uh, messaging so I mean zoom is totally different than than slack obviously the the problems are very different I think in in just staying with slack yeah it's it's the you can't really do Zoom uh, Slack calls with a lot of people yeah. and it feels like you're actually together in a room. Right. It, it just doesn't work so well. And you can also not generate like a link for everyone to join. You actually need to create a channel first and then in that channel, you can have a call. I don't even know how many people can join that. I haven't ever done it m- more than like three people, I think. <laughs> yeah 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 so i think so that's interesting like i i there's some technical issues right like slack i think doesn't have as robust of a technical infrastructure as zoom so it's like harder to do bigger meetings mm-hmm. um but there's also like you said the it, it's weird because of the setup of the app um like you say you have to go to a certain channel to find a call and so just a simple way to deal with that is to make 
calls again with the changing of the is this is this a private call is this a public call is exactly. it an all hands call so you say what kind of call it is and then the app automatically broadcasts it to everyone it gives like a bar at the top of the app that says hey there's a call happening right now and what would be it. so awesome would be if there's sort of like um you can do a you can create a new channel and in that channel you basically have a lobby for all different topics or all different channels mm-hmm. and that 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 link is always accessible so you can just go in there very easily oh so cool. if you say like hey we have a uh, we have a meeting that is related to team learning we have for example a team yeah. learning uh, yeah. where we learn new things hey. <laughs> <laughs> then everyone can just jump in there it would be so simple so yeah. easy you don't need to go through to your to your um, Discord Google calendar or yeah. to any other place. It's just in Slack and you could just go there. You don't need to go to Zoom, which is external. No, it's just all in that channel and everything's just in place. Yeah. And it would be cool to have these like topic-based channels as well, where yeah. you can just jump in and yeah. see, hey, maybe there's some somebody in there. It could show even like, hey, like mm-hmm. Chris is currently in the yeah. game channel where yeah. where you can go, for example, if you want to play some games. Yeah. When I mean, we can we there there sort of is that like you can you can set up channels, but they're text channels, so it'd be really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just as if there was you could define the type of channel. So there's like a messaging channel, and then there's also. Uh, audio channels like in discord or something mm-hmm. like that and then and you can just video. jump in yeah <laughs> you can just jump exactly. in and you're and you're there exactly. and i quite like that about discord what i don't like about that in discord is it's so easy to misclick yourself <laughs> oh my god yeah and, discord is terrible like uh, and then you don't realize it and you're still on the audio channel and you're talking <laughs> to like your boyfriend girlfriend whatever or some yeah in person yeah or, yeah and talking about private details or something like that i remember this early mm. on when we were using discord people like they made all kinds of weird jokes to me the next day because i had like <laughs> left it on for like hours and like i just <laughs> happened just to me talking too. about whatever luckily i'm a square and don't talk about anything very interesting but um <laughs> but uh yeah so so yeah, you need to think about the user experience with that kind of thing. Like automatically shut off the channel if you, after a certain amount of time or prompt, you know, like have a pop-up show up, say, hey, are you still on the channel? And then- It's so hard to find them, out how to do that too on, yeah. on Discord. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if, if Slack, I mean, obviously, like I said, this is a lot of features. If Slack was like, hey, like, how do we do this? Or, you know, what, how do we make it more engaging? And we like gave them this huge feature set. One of the steps we would take would be in the PE feature list uh, or what we call the PE feature, power and ease feature list, where we sort different new feature requests um, by these various scores. And then we decide which ones we're going to go forward with in design. But if they didn't do that, then I would say they should develop like really, really good integrations with all of these other platforms. Make it like dead simple to go on Discord and and integrate it with Slack. Make it dead simple to go on Zoom and integrate it with Slack. So, um, and something like Sococo, where you have like the virtual, it would be cool if you had different ways to view it. So in the same way as like Google Maps has a map mode and a list mode when you're searching for things, it would be cool if Slack had a channel mode 
and a map mode. And mm-hmm. the map mode gave you a visual indicator of all the stuff that was happening. Cause it's probably a lot easier to know like who's in what channel, you know, like, and, and what are they yeah. doing? And is stuff, is there activity going on or, or I think what? that's also like one of the things that's really like, that could be solved in a simple way by color coding, for example, and yeah. like topic coding yeah. is that there are so many channels that are not used a lot yeah and that are still there uh, like on the first on the first line of your channel and then there are certain channels that you don't even know about right (laughs) they exist but you you actually need to click on like plus to see them yeah which is really unintuitive right clicking on plus would you would think that would mean add a new channel add a new channel yeah but and maybe it does but you can also search in there that's a weird like it's a weird nested interface, but yeah, yeah like I like the idea of having um, having kind of curate the channels that you have access to, um, or, or that you have in your sidebar. Like you could have whatever channels that you spoke in or that you were mentioned in the last week or twenty four hours or whatever, and then you've only got like five or six channels going instead of twenty. And then if there are, if you want to discover channels, like make channel discovery a lot easier. Yeah. I really love those solutions. Yeah. I'm quite excited what we came up with. Are you, are you ready to do it? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) So if you are a business that actually does create such experiences, then please let us know under randomrewardsoutofthousesgroup.com. Yeah. Yeah, we would love to work on this. Uh, this is a very clearly it's one we have a lot of experience with, and so um, and a lot there's a lot of growth in this area. This is just the beginning of team communication tools, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of acceleration soon. You can already see it with, you know, there's so much so much more just raw time spent on these platforms that these plat and there's going to be a huge um, I want to call it like an arms race. Uh, with mm. all these platforms attempting to copy each other and come up with the best Definitely. solutions. And somebody's going to end up being the integrated solution that everyone I'm, uses. I'm almost thinking there's going to be a new player in the game. Yeah. Because there hasn't been for a long time. Yeah. I think there are the top players and there are also these like huge players like Microsoft, right? Yeah. So, but been they, haven't big, they haven't really brought up the best solutions yet so maybe there's a small player startup like yeah. i mean slack started out of nowhere zoom right. as well they're they were all startups yeah so who knows who knows exactly and facebook's so getting I, into it google you know definitely. always wanted to be into it because they have the calendar integration every single one of them has like a different a different set of tools with which to get the whole pie eventually Right. Mm-hmm. And so they have a different solution. Like Slack has the chat. Google has the calendar and Gmail integration. Microsoft mm-hmm. has a, um, Teams. So they have video and team uh, management tools. Mm-hmm. Zoom has really good video. It has pretty much unparalleled video experience, password experience notwithstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you actually wrote a, an article about those things. We actually tested all those yeah. uh, tools together. We went through yeah. 
through it for like hours to see what are the downsides, what are the upsides of it. Yeah. So if you want to be the, you want to be the one who wins the team communication platform race game, (laughs) then yeah. Contact us at uh, octalysisgroup.com. Where can we find you on the internet, Sabrina? You can find me under at uh, at Octalysis Group, at User Adventure on Twitter. Yeah. Or you can also find me on Instagram and other places at User Adventure. Where can they find you, Chris? Uh, you can find me at Chris underscore Tommaso on Twitter. Um, you can also check out our Facebook group, Octalysis Explorers. If you like this podcast, please rate and review it. That way, more people see it. More people get the word out about gamification. Yeah. And also, please join our Twitter of at Random Reward. So you can ask questions or if you have some ideas for the next topics, then we might actually talk about those. That's right. We have some coming up with some for some previous mm-hmm. suggestions that it's exactly. exciting. Stay tuned for that. Or actually, we already did them. We have some coming up and we already did some. Mm-hmm. So what do we say? Until our, our next, next rewarding, rewarding time, time together. together. <laughs> Did we actually do this in synchronicity? We might time? have. I don't know. I it depends on how well Zoom works. Very meta. Exactly. So if you're Zoom, then you will know. <laughs> <laughs>